0: Today on The Matt Walsh Show, State Farm is caught trying to sexualize and indoctrinate children, just another groomer corporation to add to the list. Also, Ricky Gervais mocks gender ideology in his latest Netflix special, and the left is not pleased, shall we say. And a male teacher brags about wearing panties to school so he can come out to his students. These people just get creepier by the second. Plus, Whoopi Goldberg tries to chime in on the Nancy Pelosi communion situation and humiliates herself in the process. In our daily cancellation, a white MLB player is suspended for making a racist comment, except the only problem is that the comment was not even remotely racist, and you'd have to be a lunatic to think otherwise. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Interest rates will continue to rise until inflation is contained, and that's why it's important to remain on top of your spending and your debt and to make sure you're not wasting money on high-interest fees. This is not a time where anyone can afford to waste money. You can get a great deal right now by calling our friends over at American Financing, America's home for home loans. With American Financing, you'll get a free mortgage review from a salary-based consultant. There will be no pressure, no obligation, and no upfront or hidden fees, just a simple conversation around custom loan programs that can fit your budget better. From flexible terms to accessing and cash and even debt consolidation, it really could mean up to $1,000 in monthly savings, plus, of course, tens of thousands in the long term. So you're saving money long term and short term. Think of the difference this could make uh, for you right now and uh, throughout your life. And then, once you've thought about that, give them a call to learn more. If you start soon, you could close in as fast as 10 days, but you've got to pick up your phone first and dial uh, rather 866-569-4711. That's 866-569-4711 or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS, 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. You know, State Farm's motto declares itself a good neighbor, but as has now been pointed out by many online, they are more like weird, creepy neighbors peeking out the window at your children while they play in the front yard. Leaked emails obtained by a group called Consumers First show that the company was uh, conspiring with an organization called the Gender Cool Project to indoctrinate and sexualize children as young as five years old. Now, why would an insurance company be getting involved in something like this? What's the point? Is there anywhere we can go in society to be free from the grasp of groomers? The answer to the, to the last question is obviously no. As the Washington Examiner reported yesterday, quote: the auto insurance company State Farm is encouraging its agents in Florida to donate books promoting transgenderism to five-year-olds to their local schools or public libraries, according to an email shared by a whistleblower. The email revealed that uh, State Farm has partnered with the Gender Cool Project, which promotes issues of gender identity in children through various advocacy and public awareness programs to donate a packet of three books to local schools and public libraries. The three books are uh, a kid's book about being transgender, a kid's book about being non-binary, and a kid's book about being inclusive. And they contain various descriptions about gender and identity meant to disprove the notion that gender is the same as biological sex and establish that it is therefore changeable. The Gender Cool Project markets the three-book bundle to children ages five and over a fact noted in the whistleblower email. Now, if you're curious about the Gender Cool Project, it is, of course, everything that you expect. Uh, I looked into it a little bit. It was apparently founded by two parents, Jen and John, whose son, Chazzy, as, uh, as they describe it, came out as a girl at the age of nine. That, right, again, is how they describe the situation, came out as a girl. Of course, it's impossible for a boy to come out as a girl or be a girl, but that's what they say. By age 11, two years later... They had founded their activist organization, and they had scored partnerships with not just State Farm, but uh, companies like Nike, General Mills, Intel, Capital One. So you see how quickly and to what extent you can be propped up and funded by the most powerful corporations in the world if you affirm the predominant gender and sexuality doctrines of the day. Just come out and say, oh, we're starting an organization to promote trans stuff, and immediately you're going to have every major corporation in the world knocking on your door and saying, we'd like to give you some money. And you also see how quickly these parents took their, their son's gender confusion and turned it into a career for them. That's all the boy's choice, though, they claim, right? I mean, he can do what he wants. They're, they're simply affirming him. But meanwhile, they've, they've taken him and they've put him up on the stage under the spotlight and they've turned him into a mascot and a political symbol. See, this is not affirmation. This is cementation. They are cementing him in place as a girl. That's what everything that, we're, that they call affirming. It's not affirming. It's cementing. It's like what you are right now with the gender confusion. We want you to stay just like that. He can't change his mind now, the boy. You know, that, that's how he's going to see it. And that's the message that these parents and so many parents of trans kids, quote unquote, uh, that's what the message is. And it's very intentional. And it's not very subtle. In the about section on their website, they give this explanation. They say, in 2017, the parents, uh, Jen and John search for positive stories about transgender and non-binary kiddos like Chazzy turned up uh, nearly empty they could count on one hand the positive stories they found f- uh, focused on who these young people are as talented, amazing leaders. In stark contrast, it took all of five seconds to find a tidal wave of misleading, sensational, negative content about these amazing young people. So there's a couple of problems here. First of all, you notice, the, and they always do this, where they say, well, these, these kids are leaders. They're leaders. No, no they're not. Your nine-year-old is not a leader of anything and is not supposed to be, okay? There's nothing that your nine-year-old is supposed to be leading except maybe uh, the line on the way to, you know, to, to to lunch, to the cafeteria. If they still even do single-file lines in schools, I don't know. Other than that, there's nothing he's supposed to be leading. He's not a leader, Among all the other problems, of course, with taking gender-confused kids and affirming them in their confusion, or rather cementing them into the confusion, um, this is one of the problems on the list, is that they always want to take these kids, oh, you're going to be a leader now. We're going to put you up on stage. You're You're going to be the leader of a movement, and we're all depending on you. Can't change your mind. Of course, that's the message. But as far as uh, their claim that, you know, there's uh, all the negative content about trans kids, no, there's, there's no negative content about trans kids. Nobody is attacking these children or criticizing them or blaming them for anything. I've never heard anyone attack a, quote, trans nine-year-old. No one's doing that. No, we are attacking, criticizing, and blaming the parents, not the kids, Parents like this, they say that they're trying to shield their children from the transphobic bigots who are attacking them. But in reality, they're using their children as a shield from the people criticizing them, the parents. So with that background, we can go back to the Washington Examiner article and to State Farm. It says, the project's goal is to increase representation of LGBTQ plus books and uh, support our communities in having challenging, important and empowering conversations with children age five plus, the email said dated January 18th, the email was sent by Jose Soto, a corporate responsibility analyst for State Farm in Florida. And in addition to promoting the company's partnership with Gender Cool Project, it sought to recruit six State Farm insurance agents in Florida to receive these books in March, then donate them to their community by the end of April. This is a fantastic way to give back and an easy project that will help support the LGBTQ plus community and to make the world around us better. The email added. While the communique only referenced recruiting volunteer agents in Florida, it indicated that the project is a nationwide initiative. Well, it was a nationwide initiative anyway. Uh, Less than 12 hours after this was all made public, State Farm having fielded thousands of complaints from rightfully outraged customers who, you know, just want to, they just want auto insurance. They never intended to fund a nationwide grooming program with their money. And after receiving all that backlash, they announced that the program was being canceled. The Daily Wire reports, State Farm is backing down Monday after outrage over its plan to donate books promoting transgenderism to schools and public libraries for children as young as five years old. Quote, State Farm's support of a philanthropic program, Gender Cool, has been the subject of news and customer inquiries. Reads a May 23rd email from Victor Terry, State Farm's chief diversity officer, to State Farm agents, according to the popular Twitter account, Libs of TikTok. The program was intended to promote inclusivity, but State Farm will no longer support it. Quote, conversations about gender and identity should Happen at home with parents, reads Terry's email. We don't support required curriculum in schools on this topic. We will no longer support that program, he said. We will continue to explore how we can support organizations that provide tools and resources that align with our commitment to diversity and inclusion. The company also said that it supports organizations providing resources for parents to have these conversations. Ah, so these conversations should be happening at home, you say? Hmm. And it only took an afternoon of intense backlash to help them arrive at this conclusion. And this goes to show a couple of things, a couple of lessons that we've already learned a million times already, but what's once more. The first is that, as we see once again, there is a conspiracy at every level of society and among the richest and most powerful people to turn your children trans. Okay, this is happening. It's an actual conspiracy. And the conspirators have had enormous success. But the second is that the plan relies heavily on the cover of darkness. All you have to do is just turn the lights on, and the whole thing starts to fall apart. So, our goal now should be to turn on every lamp in the house, leave no dark rooms or corners, expose it all, let the light shine. Now let's get to our five headlines. The rise in uh, popularity of cryptocurrency over the last decade has attracted legitimate investors as well as fraudsters. These cyber criminals use Ponzi schemes, fake investment scams, trading scams, and fake giveaways to steal your money and your personal information. That's why it's important to remember to never reply to messages that sound too good to be true, especially when it comes to your savings. And it's so important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your personal information gets exposed so often and that makes it dangerously easy for a cybercriminal to steal your identity and steal uh, everything else in your life, your reputation, your money. Protect your identity has never been easier with LifeLock by Norton. LifeLock detects and alerts you to potential identity threats that you may not spot on your own, like uh, loans taken out in your name and other threats as well. If you become a victim of identity theft, they have a dedicated US-based restoration specialist that will work to fix it. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Identity theft protection starts here. Join now and save 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com slash Walsh. That's LifeLock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. All right, so, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, begins his book, The Screwtape Letters, with a quote from, I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly, St. Thomas More, saying that the devil cannot endure to be mocked. And, uh, and, and that's why he should be, because that's the appropriate response to evil is to mock it. That shouldn't be our only response to evil, but that is an appropriate response. That should be a big part of our rebuttal, as it were, to evil, because evil is uh, proud and it's uh, arrogant, haughty, self-involved, narcissistic, and, and it you know, props itself up above everybody, but it's propped up on stilts, which can easily be kicked and knocked over which is exactly what we should be doing. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of mocking gender ideology, which is from the devil. And ironically, Ricky Gervais uh, doesn't believe in the the devil because he's an atheist, but he does a great job of mocking him, Um, including in this. There's a a bit from his new Netflix special, which I think was just um, launched on Netflix yesterday, and this bit's going viral, and of course, it has the left very, very angry. And here he is making jokes about gender ideology. Now, the thing is, you know, Dave Chappelle gets sort of the credit as being the brave comedian who will, you know, make jokes about the trans phenomenon and all that kind of stuff. I've always thought that Dave Chappelle's jokes are, are I appreciate that he's making them at all, I guess, but the jokes are, I've always thought, kind of pretty, pretty safe and tame. Um, he doesn't go nearly as far as he could. It, it always seems to me that Dave Chappelle, even though he gets credit or blame, depending on how you want to, you know, depending on your perspective, uh, for being the guy who, who will talk about these kinds of things, it always seems to me like he pulls his punches. And on top of that, also, uh, his, his recent stand-up specials, I just think, aren't that funny. Like, he's not making a lot of jokes. He's just sort of up there preaching. And, but what he's saying in his preaching isn't really all that provocative or edgy, you know, at all. Um, but here, I think, Ricky Gervais really goes for it. Really goes for it. So let's listen to this.
1: The old-fashioned women. Oh, God. You know, the ones with wombs. Oh. <laughs> Those f- dinosaurs. Oh. No, I love the the new women. I know the new women. They're great, aren't they? You know, the new ones we've been seeing lately. The, the ones with beards and f- They're as good as... They're as good as gold. I love them. No, it's the old fashioned. And now the old fashioned, they go, oh, they want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use your toilets? For ladies. They are ladies. Look at their pronouns. (laughs) What about this person isn't a lady? Well, his penis. (laughs) Her penis, you fing bigot. What if he rapes me? What if she rapes you? You f***ing turf whore.
0: Now, the great thing is that, yeah, that's funny, but that is also exactly what the trans activists actually say. Like, he didn't say anything in this uh, imaginary conversation between a sane person and a trans activist. He, he is fairly representing and this is this is this shows you how absurd it is that he could stand on stage as a stand-up comedian and simply say exactly what these people actually say and it's a, and it's a hilarious punchline because that's how insane it is. Her penis like that's that's what they say. That is 100% what they say. There's absolutely no straw manning going on there at all. And um, is this the right approach? like should should, should we be doing this? It should should comedians be up there? Should, should anyone be making jokes about this? Um, yes, absolutely. Because the claims that the gender ideologues are making and what they're doing, it's it's very serious. It's incredibly damaging. They're hurting people. They're mutilating kids. Um, they're killing people. Actually, putting kids on a path to despair and suicide. So it's very serious on on one hand, but also their whole worldview is totally insane and ludicrous. And so while we should deal with it on the serious level as well, we should also highlight just how ludicrous it is. Mockery is a very important tool that I think up until recently, especially when it comes to gender ideology, um the the sane people have been really reluctant to use. It's a tool that we've been very reluctant to use. And I say we, like, not me, because I haven't been reluctant to use it, but, but generally speaking, you know, it's sort of the universal we. We've been very reluctant to use this very powerful tool. And it's a tool that the left has, um, and, uh, until recently, until they launched their all-out war, like, comedy is not allowed now on the left. They don't believe in it. But up until that, until they went full Puritan, right, Um, the, the tool of mockery is something they use to great effect. And yes, we should be using it here to again, highlight that this is ludicrous. No, we're not going to take it seriously. Okay. The moment you start talking about women with penises, this is not, this is not like we're going to sit down and have a conversation about it and take your point of view seriously. Okay, the moment you talk about men having babies, I'm not going to dignify that by pretending that there's anything credible in your claim whatsoever. You're going to be mocked for that because it's insane. But then so I, I wish I could just end it there and say about Ricky Gervais, great job, great routine. Uh takes takes it does legitimately take courage to do what he did there. And they're going to come after him. I mean, if they went after, think again, think about what Chappelle said about all this. Really mild. Okay, nothing like that at all. And so if they went after Chappelle, uh, they're going to have to, And on top of it, Gervais is also a white man. And he's going a lot harder against this uh, than, than Chappelle ever did. So they're going to come after him. It's just going to be the hounds of hell after this guy. And so that takes a lot of courage, absolutely. Um, It shouldn't take courage. This is your job. You know, you make jokes, you're a comedian. Most comedians make jokes about things that are happening in society. This is the role. This is why comedians are important. They're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to poke the, um, the, the, the sacred cows, you know the elephant in the rooms that we don't talk about in society, those are the things they're supposed to be pointing at and laughing at. That's, that's the role that they are supposed to play. It's what makes them important. So, um, And all that's good. And I wish I could leave it right there. But then in the Daily Wire article about this, uh, it says this, quoting Ricky Gervais in this same special, I guess shortly after that bit right there, he says, okay, full disclosure, in real life, of course, I support trans rights. I support all human rights and trans rights are human rights. Live your best life, use your preferred pronoun. Well, <laughs> first of all, that's not going to save you, Ricky. Like, it's, there's it nothing, there's no qualifier you can add at the end of that that's going to blunt the impact when they come after you. They're going to try to destroy you now, and there's nothing you could say afterward. Nothing that's going to change that. So you might as well just let the joke stand. The joke, which is not really a joke, right? Just let it stand and, and move on to your next material. There's no reason the qualifier, oh, of course I support trans rights. But the moment you say that, it just, it, it, it has the effect, it, un to, it, it, it what's going to do is undo everything that you just said. Because, well, you support trans rights. Well, but they would tell us that it is a matter of trans rights that biological men should be able to use the women's room. So do you support that then? Or maybe you just mean that, uh, well, I support human rights, and so I support the human rights of all people, including trans people. Well, yes, if that's what you mean, then we can agree on that because anyone who believes that human rights exist believes that they exist in all people. But that's when you say trans rights, that's not what anyone means when they say that. That's not what the trans people mean. They don't just mean, oh, I want the same rights as everybody else. Like, no, that's not what they mean. Because if you just wanted the same rights as everybody else, then you wouldn't need to put the qualifier of it. trans, I want trans rights. No, you'd just be out there saying, I want human rights. And any trans person marching saying, I want human rights, I fully agree. You should have human rights. Here's the good news. You have them. So you're fine. Like, no one is taking them from you. You have them. You're good to go. You can put the sign down, go and live your life. Because you have human rights. You have the same rights as anybody. So no, when they when they march for trans rights, they want more than that. They want they want rights on top of human rights. Okay, they want to be able to do things that other people can't do. Prior to trans rights, everybody had the same rules and had to respect the same rules with when it comes to bathrooms. You use the bathroom that that is in accordance with your biological identity. That's it. But to, to, doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter what's going on in your head, doesn't matter how you identify, just that's it. Everyone uses the same one. You're coming along and saying, no, no, I want, I want an exception to that. I want to be the exception. And so that's what the trans activists are doing. They want to be one exception after another. I want to be exception to this. I want to be the exception to that. I want you to reorient society around me. I want you to toss reality, truth, biological science, common sense, decency, I want you to toss all that out the window for me. So whether you mean it or not, when you say I support trans rights, that is what you are supporting because that is what everybody means when they talk about trans rights. So that's just, man, it's like people come so close. And it's just, this this to me is even more frustrating than just having someone who, Affirms the trans stuff and like everybody else. It's like when you when you you get right up to the edge of just being an, an advocate for the truth without qualification, you get right up to the edge of it, and then you turn back. That's frustrating. Uh, but even so, good uh, good routine. And, and the good thing though is that, especially for the trans activists and LGBT activists who want to make victims of themselves, you know the part where. Gervais says, I support trans rights. Like, that's not going to make it into any of the clips. All, all anybody's going to see is that, which is good. That's, I hope that's all anybody sees. That's the good part right there. Um, all right. So, this is from NBC News on uh, monkeypox. Not a lot of new information here, but this is another mainstream media outlet picking up this aspect of the story. So, maybe worth reading. It says, a leading advisor to the World Health Organization described the unprecedented outbreak of the rare disease monkeypox in developed countries as a random event that might be explained by risky sexual behavior at two recent mass events in Europe. In an interview with the Associated Press, Dr. David Hyman, who uh, formerly headed WHO's emergency department, said the leading theory to explain the spread of the disease was sexual transmission among gay and bisexual men at two raves held in Spain and Belgium. Monkeypox has not previously triggered widespread outbreaks beyond Africa, where it is endemic in animals. Um, And this is now NBC News also reporting on this, that this the super spreader events were gay raves, okay, in Belgium and in, um, and in Spain. And then CNN has this about, you know, with monkeypox, we're told about the, this rash. It starts as flu symptoms, and then there's this rash that, that you get. And CNN reports this. The rash is showing up in different parts of the body than we typically expect to see. Uh, in some cases, it has produced anal or genital lesions that look like other diseases like herpes, chickenpox, or syphilis. So anyone with a rash or lesion around or involving their genitals, their anus, or any other place that they have not seen before should get fully evaluated both for that rash, particularly for sexual transmitted infection and other illnesses that can cause the rash. So this just further emphasizes that the monkeypox is essentially a, in this case anyway, for this quote-unquote outbreak, is a sexually transmitted disease. Now, they're, they're kind of uh, adding some qualification there and saying it's it's not technically a sexually transmitted disease because it doesn't transmit primarily through sex itself, but through the close contact that you have uh, with someone in, when you're engaged in in that activity. But all this means, you know, what all this means? And we talked about monkeypox yesterday and how it's the media's new uh, thing, and it's the new hysteria, and it's the new current thing. So it's it's going to put it puts. You know, Ukraine goes to the side, Ukraine goes down a notch, COVID goes down another notch, and then monkeypox at the top. And I think that would be the case, but now I'm not so sure. I think the, the better prediction, the safer prediction now is that monkeypox story is going away. Um, and it's going away because even the mass media can't avoid reporting that these super spreader events was, uh, were, were two gay raves and these, these things are being described different ways. Like yesterday was a fetish festival, now it's a gay rave, but we all get the idea. Affecting primarily gay and bisexual men. Like this is just not a story that the mainstream media is going to want to talk about. Especially because, as we pointed out yesterday, the contradiction here is so glaring. That they, for years, told us, lock yourself away in your home, wear masks, do that, change everything about your life to avoid COVID. Even your kids, your kids should have their whole lives blown blown to pieces uh, to avoid COVID, even though they're not at any risk, at any serious risk of spreading or, or, uh, or contracting it. Well, that would mean that the consistent message now with monkeypox is you would be saying to the gay community... Uh, Don't go to raves and orgies and and fetish festivals. And the only difference is that like, that's just good advice all the time, whether there's monkeypox or not, because there's all kinds of other diseases that you can get. And people often do get in those kinds of environments. So that's, but they're not going to send that message. They're not going to say that. They don't mind telling everyone in the world to stop everything they're doing. But are they going to point to the gay community and say, don't go to the fetish festivals, probably not a good idea? No way. Um, at least they don't want that to be a story. They don't want that to be a big thing. So I think now probably you're going to see they were kind of ramping up to make monkeypox the new thing. and But then now that it's unavoidable, that this is primarily right now essentially an STD in gay men, uh, I, I think you're probably going to see it go away. You see see the story go away, if not the virus. Um, all right, let's move on to this. So we're used to seeing these creepy, disturbing teachers and all, all content related to that. But this one picked up by Libs of TikTok may still shock you. I want to put this tweet up on the screen so you can see the, um, the screenshot. Hold on, let me pull it myself. Okay, so... Libs of TikTok reports, male teacher writes about how good it feels wearing women's undergarments to school and coming out as non-binary to his students. And then we have a male teacher here, and here's the picture that he posted online. And he has his own caption. He says, so this is me feeling my best teacher self because I'm wearing panties on a workday for the first time ever, and I feel so good. Um, ID, a tall bearded demi boy with pomaded hair and glasses, wearing a purple and white checked shirt, a gray sweater vest, and a brown tweed jacket with black jeans. And then he continues, I signed up to lead an affinity group for LGBTQIA students at my school a while back. The first meeting is this afternoon, and I'm going to be coming out to a bunch of high schoolers as bi and NB. What the hell is NB? N- oh, N- like N- non-binary NB? Okay. I'm a bit nervous. Good vibes/slash encouragement are needed and welcome. And then there's another follow-up that uh, Libs TikTok has. This is from last year, March of last year, uh, where he's wearing a dress, his first ever dress. Feels very teachery. Please be kind. And then he identifies himself as a demi boy again. And if you're wondering what a demi boy is, I had to Google that, and it says. Um, an identity that describes someone who identifies with both male and agender genders. What the hell is agender? Okay, now you got to look that up. It's just like once you start peeling back these onions, you, you you know, you 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 immediately regret it. But so agender is an identity that des- describes somebody without gender or who does not relate to either binary to either binary gender. Okay. So uh, a demiboy, quote unquote, is someone who identifies as having a gender and also not having one at the same time, which just does, that doesn't mean anything at all. You know what it means? Here's here's what all that means, because that's total nonsense, okay, absolute nonsense. What it actually means for this creep is that he has a fetish for wearing women's underwear, Around kids, and this is the label that he puts on it to make it sound, you know, like something we have to affirm and include and accept. That's what that really means in his case. Um, so this is a this is a, a teacher announcing that it, it feels good wearing women's underwear, wearing panties to school, and that he's gonna he's gonna come out to his students. Like if, if we were to do a poll, you know, we take this, show this to every parent in the country with kids in public school um, and poll all of them. What percentage do you think would say that, yeah, they, this is the kind of thing they want their teachers doing? Well, like, what percentage of those parents would be excited about the idea of a, of a male teacher in his panties who wears them because he says it makes them feel good? Uh, sitting down and coming out and to his to his students and having a sexual conversation like what percentage if we were to pull every single public school parent what percentage would say oh yeah that's great that's like that's exactly what i am hoping is is happening at this school this is why i send my kid to school would, would we get up to like 0.1 percent would we even make it that high i really don't think we would Which is why it's so important to keep, you know, as we talked about, turn on all the lights. And when you turn on the lights, you're going to see a lot of things you don't want to see. But we have to see them. Because here's the other thing that we have to keep, we have to remember here, is that um, if we don't if we don't see it, you know, if we allow these things to happen in darkness, our kids are still being subjected to it. Uh, one other thing from Libs at TikTok, another contribution, not from Libs at TikTok, but, but at least something that uh, she is revealing to us, uh, staying on the subject of uh, of teacher creeps, creatures, as maybe I will start calling them. Here's a trans preschool creature uh, talking about her. I think this is a female experiences, you know, talking to her kids. Let's watch this.
2: So today was full of little happy gender euphoria moments. I got called Mister Micah a lot today. Well, completely femme. And that was really heartwarming that the kids just got it. But my favorite reaction, and it sums me up so well, I feel like, is uh, I was in a new classroom and I took off my mask to blow my nose and I just hear a kid loudly whisper, oh, she's a boy. I was like, yeah, you got it, kid. You totally got it.
0: Uh, gender euphoria moments is what we're being told there. This is gender euphoria. And if you're wondering about that, um, I'm not gonna start Googling, Googling that, but I, I think we can just kind of connect the dots there. Context clues. So gender dysphoria is when you feel like out of place in your gender or whatever, and uh, gender euphoria is when you have feelings of e- elation and pleasure in, uh, in having your gender affirmed. So these are teachers that are looking for euphoria. She, I think, is looking for her students who are like three and four years old to provide her moments of euphoria, depending on three and four-year-olds to affirm her. Again, going back to the poll. How many parents that send their kids to preschool, like, that's what they want? You're sending your kid to preschool so that your child will be a source of affirmation and euphoria for the teacher. Very few, I imagine. All right, moving to this. Whoopi Goldberg is uh, shedding some some light, adding some insight to the Nancy Pelosi communion situation in San Francisco. Let's listen to that.
1: Welcome to The View, y'all. The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco mm, is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. (laughs) That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. You know, what is the saying? It's kind of amazing. Uh, but, you know, what is the point of communion, right? It's for, uh, sinners. It's the, for the, for sinners. It's the reward of saints, but the bread of sinners. How dare you?
0: It's not your job, dude. No, uh, whoopee, that is literally his job. <laughs> it's actually what, what he is supposed to do as the uh, archbishop. Okay, now, and I, does, does Whoopi Goldberg identify herself as Catholic? I'm not actually sure about that. Whether she identifies herself that way or not, as is so often the case these days on the left with self-identification, it's, it's false, it doesn't mean anything. Because she clearly, whether she's Catholic or not, does not understand the basic hierarchical structure of the, uh, of, of the church. And by the way, there is no mixing of church and state here at all. Okay, in fact, if, if the archbishop had declined to enforce the rules for Nancy Pelosi because she's a high-ranking government official, that would be church and state um, interfering, or rather it's the state. That would be the, the state sort of imposing itself, exercising influence in a way that it should not, which, by the way... Going back to the to the phrase separation of church and state from Thomas Jefferson, which is not something that actually appears in the Constitution at all, but that's what he was referring to, to the Danbury Baptists. That's what he was worried about. He wasn't worried about the church interfering with the state, he was worried about the state interfering with the church. And so that's where you find a, as the left might use the phrase, problematic. That's where things get problematic is if the rules are not being enforced by p- people in positions of authority because somebody is a, is a government official or is a high-ranking person, which is the case, in, in, unfortunately, in most dioceses across the country. These politicians are allowed to, uh, to flout these rules, including in, in Washington, D.C., where people like Nancy Pelosi go to Mass and they, they especially like to go to Mass there because it's going to be public and they're going to be on camera and everyone's going to see them going in like good little Catholics. Uh, but they go up and, and uh, receive communion and it's not enforced there by the bishop in that case. That is the state exercising influence. That's where you find the intrusion, not the other way around. Um, all right, one other... I wanted to read. Let me see if I can find it. Somewhere around here. Okay. From the Daily Wire. A Texas toddler stole his mother's unlocked phone to play with it and she thought nothing of it until the DoorDash delivery driver showed up at her home with 31 McDonald's cheeseburgers. Kelsey Golden shared a photo of her two-year-old son Barrett along with his ill-gotten gains and advertised free cheeseburgers. Um, She says he likes to look at his reflection noting that when he's taken her phone before He's used the camera to look at himself rather than trying to find games to play or videos to watch, but he didn't appear to be using the camera this time. Instead, Golden said that he started pressing the screen, and then he accidentally ordered DoorDash for himself with 31 cheeseburgers, and she didn't realize that he'd ordered DoorDash until uh, the DoorDash driver showed up with 31 cheeseburgers, and then she was on CNN talking about it, and the story its like one of those you know, human interest stories, and there's a nice little whimsical, uh, heartwarming tale about a, about a precocious youngster who does this. And she's on CNN talking about it. And I, man, I hate to be this guy. You know, I do. I, but I, I don't really hate to be this guy, actually. I kind of enjoy being this guy, I have to admit. And I'm not really buying this story. I, I'm just not. Now, I'm not saying that this is Jussie Smollett, okay? I'm not saying that she's the Jussie Smollett of DoorDash. It's not like she claimed that the toddler shouted, this is Burger King country or something. But I'm not totally buying the story, of the kid, the kid takes the phone and then is messing with it two years old and orders 31 cheeseburgers, and then she doesn't know about it until the door, until the, the cheese, cheeseburgers show up on her front door. So there's a lot of things here. Like, first of all, you, nobody would give an unlocked phone to a two year old, okay? You don't do that. And even if you do, what are the chances that the toddler is going to hit all the right buttons? Because there's a multiple succession of buttons the toddler would have to hit accidentally to get, you know, first you got to scroll, you know, swipe over, get to the DoorDash thing, click on that, go to Burger King, click on that, click accidentally on cheeseburgers. And then to get to 31, you'd have to like, there's a the little uh, plus sign. You have to hit that 31 times to get to the 31. And then you go through the checkup and he did all this accidentally. And then she didn't know about it, even though she would get the, alert on her phone and it would tell her that 31 cheeseburgers have been ordered? I'm just not buying it. You know, I'm not. I think there's something else going on here, which is probably just a, a half made up story for attention. So maybe it doesn't matter that much. But you know what? The truth always matters, even when it comes to cheeseburger orders. All right, let's get to our comment section. Do you know
3: their name?
0: Sweet baby gang. Uh, das, Bootot, das Boot Auto, I think that's what we're going with, says, I heard the knife by the guy that attacked Chappelle was in a backpack and he wasn't wielding it, hence the misdemeanor. Details are important. Uh, it, it may have been in his backpack, but that still should not be a misdemeanor, okay? He snuck, he, he was... in it. He snuck the weapon in to this event where you're not supposed to have knives. And then he ran on stage and violently assaulted somebody on stage in front of everybody. And he had a weapon on him. Like, why did he bring the weapon? Was, it just, was, he, was he cutting apples or something? Why else did he have it? We can assume that he intended to use it. I mean, if somebody sneaks uh, a weapon into a public event and then violently attacks someone... We can assume that the weapon was related to this plan to violently attack somebody. And even without the weapon, it still should be a felony. Obviously. Unless you want to encourage more of this stuff, which, uh, which of course they do. Um, Deplorable Neanderthal says, you give Alfred Kinsey too much credit, Matt. This stuff comes from Satan. Alfred was just one willing yet influential pawn. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. Mike says, Matt, you've raved about the Nashville Zoo so much. I finally went on Saturday. I have to say, great recommendation. We loved it. Well, I'm glad you know we're big Nashville Zoo fans. We were on uh, we were there on Saturday also, so maybe you saw us. Actually, we were at the zoo on Saturday and um, and maybe I, tell me if this is a thing because I, I was a little bit excited by this. We, we went to the zoo and we're walking around and then my wife said that uh, apparently they got this new exhibit at the zoo where you can go, they have this little theater thing, and you can go, and it's a 3D, like little 20-minute 3D movie that you can say they give you 3D glasses. And she said, oh, we got to go watch the the 3D thing. It's like a 20-minute with the characters from Ice Age. And of course, I'm thinking, well, we have a 3D exhibit around us. It's called The Zoo, and everything here is 3D. So why do we need to? But she wanted to do that, so we did. And they give you the 3D glasses, And it's been a while since I've watched a 3D thing, you know, I don't usually go for the 3D movies. Like any movie that would be in 3D in the theaters is almost always the kind of movie I would hate, which maybe doesn't surprise you. But I sat there and I tried to watch it and I'm just in, but I put the 3D glasses on and they're not big enough to put over my prescription glasses. I have to take my prescriptions off, put the 3D glasses on and I can't experience the 3D Ice Age thing because it's all blurry because of my visual impairment. And that's what I realized this is, a, this is an accessibility problem. They have not made, and this is the case like for all these 3D films, they have not made it accessible for visually impaired people. This is ableism. I'm a victim, finally. I'm always looking, as you know, as a, as a white male, I don't have any victim points. I'm looking to find them wherever I can. I think this is a legit area. I could sue the zoo and probably bankrupt them. Because it's your responsibility as a visually impaired American. I expect you should have prescription 3D glasses for every possible prescription available in limitless supply. And if you don't, you've excluded me as a visually impaired, as a member of the visually impaired community. Um, So I get at least one victim point from that, I think we can agree. Uh, Let's see. Skill Mayor says, Matt, I came home to my wife leaving a gift on my pillow the other day. I looked inside the bag and it was a sweet baby gang shirt. I broke down with tears of joy that my wife understands me so well. Is this form of crying acceptable or am I banned from the show? Uh, that is obviously, we're going to add that there's seven acceptable reasons for a man to cry. That'll be number eight. So you just, you snuck in by the skin of your teeth. Um And Amanda says, our daughter started showing signs of puberty before her second birthday because there's something wrong with the way her body's developing due to a traumatic brain injury as an infant. It's disgusting that people try to equate the difficulties of our lives that are dominated with specialist therapy, special equipment, and fighting with insurance companies to purposefully stunting typically developing children. It's not even close to the same thing. We will be disgusted by a parent insisting their healthy child be put through chemotherapy for no reason. This is no different. And a lot of comments from uh, parents in similar situations with, with kids that have precocious puberty. And that is an actual medical condition where the drugs that we call puberty blockers might be used for medical reasons. But as we heard from the person in the Daily Cancellation yesterday trying to equate the two things, well, if you use puberty blockers for that, then clearly using them for gender-confused people, is it's the same thing. No, but it's like every drug on the market has a specific... Purpose, you know, every prescription drug anyway, and there are prescription drugs that have that. You know, there are so many of them that there are certain ones that I would say probably nobody should be using, but they all have a specific purpose, in theory anyway. And just because they exist doesn't mean that any purpose you come up with for it is is legitimate. Obviously, and one of the I think I mentioned it yesterday. One of the um, one of the reasons why with precocious puberty, you might use, quote unquote, puberty blockers in a legitimate medical context is because it lead, it actually can lead to stunted growth. Because, you know, this is the way our bodies are supposed to work for kids' bodies. After puberty, your, your body kind of begins to stop growing. And so if you go through puberty when you're seven years old, then your body's going to stop growing at the end of that, and you're going to end up, you know, with stunted growth at, at the end of it. And so that's a physical um, consequence of this condition, and it's something that puberty blockers might help with. But if you're giving it to a kid who does not have any physical condition whatsoever, then um, rather than preventing stunted growth, you're actually going to cause it. And that's what often happens when you use drugs in ways that they're not supposed to be used. Well, as you know by now, the event of the summer, Backstage Live at the Ryman, is back on June 29th at the historic Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. And due to historic demand, we've opened up some more tickets to the event, so there's still time to get in on the fun and watch your favorite Daily Wire host live and unfiltered. What's Backstage Live? Well, glad you asked. Check it out.
1: We were in the presence of greatness. The energy of having everyone on the same page was amazing. If your
0: family member is still waiting for Fauci to give them permission to leave their house, (laughs) it might be time to cut that off. (laughs) I'm actually pretty excited to meet all of them. I love everybody's opinion individually. I
1: don't
3: have a favorite. I like them
1: all. If I had found out a way to make football players cry in high school, my high school experience would (laughs) be a lot (laughs) better.
3: I'm just excited to be here and be
1: surrounded by like-minded people, and to just, you know, feel that energy. Who should we remove from office? One politician, the most powerful politician in the country. Dr. Fauci. (laughs) Dr., what are you
0: talking about? We're doing culture here. I'm so thrilled to see this happening. If they say
2: to half of the country, you can't, that half of the country needs to say, screw you, we will.
3: Backstage Live happens right here in Nashville on June 29th. Get your tickets now.
0: And this year we're going even bigger. So get your tickets for Backstage Live today at dailywire.com/Ryman. You're not going to want to miss this. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. You now I don't follow baseball because I typically prefer to watch sports instead. But there's a baseball controversy which demands the attention of the daily cancellation. We'll begin at the at the end here with New York Yankees third baseman Josh Donaldson getting suspended by the MLB and fined for making an inappropriate comment to Chicago White Sox player Tim Anderson. Donaldson is white, Anderson is black. And this already tells you, of course, that the inappropriate comment did not need to actually be inappropriate at all in order to provoke a punishment. And in this case, you'll be shocked to discover just how not inappropriate the comment, in fact, was. It was It was a wholly appropriate comment, actually, and yet he's punished for it. But the media has taken this the other way, declaring that the comment was not only inappropriate, but, you guessed it, Racist. Bleacher Report states, as uh, as much in their headline, they say, Yankees' Josh Donaldson suspended for making racist comment to Tim Anderson. And Deadspin, never one to let a race hustle go to waste, declares, Just say it. Josh Donaldson made a racist comment to Tim Anderson. Sports Illustrated tells us that Josh Donaldson is embroiled in a racism controversy. Meanwhile, other people in the league, including the White Sox manager, have also accused Donaldson of racism. So there's consensus agreement, it would seem, That Josh Donaldson is a raging bigot who hurled an outrageous racist slur at Tim Anderson. And in case you're wondering what the slur was, it was, of course, the J-word. Yes, the J-word, the dreaded J-word, that being Jackie. He called Anderson Jackie, as in Jackie Robinson, and that's why he's suspended. But why is it inappropriate, much less racist, to compare a baseball player to Jackie Robinson? Isn't that like someone being offended as an artist if if you compare them to Michelangelo? Like If you go up to an artist and say, hey, Michelangelo, well, how dared you call me that slur? How does that make any sense? Well, maybe it'll help to hear from Tim Anderson himself, the victim of this hurtful compliment. After the game, he was was, uh, practically in tears, crying about how disrespected he feels. But why does he feel disrespected? Let's listen and uh, see if we find out.
2: Yeah, he just made a you know disrespectful comment. Uh, you know, basically, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson. He's like, what's up, Jackie? Um, and, you know, uh, I don't, I don't play like that. You know, and I don't, I don't really play at all. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really you know bothering nobody today. But uh, you know, he made a comment, and uh, you know, it was, it was disrespectful, and uh, I don't think it was called for. And it. That was when you guys crossed past the stuff there at the end of the third? Yeah, but that happened in the first, the first time he got on, you know, and I spared him that time, uh, and then it happened again. Um, and, you know, uh, just, you know, it was just, you know, it's just uncalled for, you know, it's not. You know, I got time to, you know, be playing like that. How did you manage to contain yourself that kind of comment. Uh, you, know, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't know, to be honest. You know, it was very disrespectful, you know. You don't want to play
0: like that. I mean, first of all, that you gotta love these athlete interviews because they know like three words and they just it was very disrespectful. I don't play like that, it was uncalled for. And you know, the thing is, it was uncalled for, and I don't play like that, and it's disrespectful. It was just it was just disrespectful. It was uncalled for. You know what? I don't play like that. It was uncalled for. Disrespect. It's like just over and over and over again, repeating themselves. Um but if you couldn't hear clearly, the reporter actually asked Anderson how he managed to continue playing after experiencing something as devastating as being called Jackie. The reporter asked him that, and not sarcastically. How did you manage to continue playing? Anderson doesn't know how he continued, but somehow, against all odds, he was able to compose himself, pick up the pieces, and soldier on for a few more innings. What a hero. As for why the comment was so hurtful or racist, we didn't get much of an explanation from Anderson, All we got was him saying he doesn't play like that and uh, whining like a sissy because this is what professional athletes are and what they do these days. I'm reminded of LeBron James. If you remember this, he, he called security on a couple of fans in the front row because they said a mean word to him. Like he actually brought security over and pointed at them. They said it. They were mean. Put them in timeout. Professional athletes may have physical strength, but emotionally and psychologically, they're a bunch of jellyfish. I mean, flimsy, weak invertebrates constantly whimpering about their feelings getting hurt. In the case of Tim Anderson, we haven't even gotten to the most salient detail, which is this. He called himself Jackie Robinson. It turns out that Donaldson's comment was not a compliment, okay? He was indeed teasing Anderson, but he was teasing him for comparing himself to Jackie Robinson in an interview a few years ago. So it was was a little bit of very light trash talk and well-deserved because you shouldn't go around comparing yourself to Jackie Robinson, Going back to the artist example, this is like if an artist labeled himself said, I, I'm the new Michelangelo. Sh- should he make that mistake, he would have to deal with people mockingly calling him Michelangelo for the rest of his life. He brought it on himself. So how can Donaldson be labeled racist, actually suspended and fined for calling Anderson something that he'd already called himself? Well, over on ESPN, sports talking head Marcus Spears attempts to make sense of all of this
3: i don't want to try to decipher between what donaldson meant i just want to give him um potentially why this would send the type of reaction from tim anderson that it would it's because of the times we're in it's because of the things that have transpired over the years it's because of how sports have been involved in racial equality and and taking things head-on that comes along with the game. I'm not going to cast any aspersions on Donnelly because I don't know him. I don't know his heart. I don't know what he actually meant. But I know, um, he, you know, he talked about Tim Anderson referring to himself as Jackie Robinson. We've had a long history of having to explain how black people can refer to themselves as opposed to somebody of another race. That comes into question in this particular situation.
0: Oh. Okay, well, yeah, it's because of the times we're in. The times, you see. The times have spoken, all the times. The New York Times, the Seattle Seattle Times, just like the General Times, all have determined that in these times, because of the times, due to the times, and given the times which we're in, a member of a protected class is allowed to be a sensitive crybaby, wildly overreacting to even the most meager slight, and white people must simply bow their heads submissively and affirm whatever The protected person is saying or feeling, no matter how ridiculous and unreasonable it may be. Such are the times. Now, personally, though, I I must confess that I don't uh, much care about the times that we're in or what time it is. I believe in one standard for everybody, a standard which is not time-dependent. Marcus Spears says that there's a long history of black people having to explain that just because they refer to themselves a certain way doesn't mean that somebody of another race can refer to them the same way. And this rule now apparently applies to Jackie Robinson comparisons. But this, like, I, I also wonder how far. So, like, if a black guy says, "Oh, I'm six foot one," am I allowed to go and say, "Well, you're six foot one"? Is that am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to make any statements or observations at all? I think the answer is no. It's racist. That's what, in fact what we've learned is that if you're if you're in a protected class. A privileged class, which is the same thing, then no one is allowed to notice anything about you. But also, in not noticing anything about you, they're erasing and otherizing you. So they're they're racist no matter what. That's how it works out. But um here's the other thing: this rule that Marcus Spears is talking about, this is not something that's explained. He said, Well, we've tried to explain. Um, like you know, that's you explain something that's an objective fact about reality, right? No, this is a privilege that certain members of protected classes have attempted to claim for themselves. You're not explaining it, you're claiming it. But it's not a privilege that anyone should have. The standard for everyone of every race, of every shade or color of skin should be this If you don't want people to use a certain word, don't use it yourself. If you don't want to be called something, don't call yourself that thing or anyone else that thing. If you want people to follow a rule, follow it yourself. Act as you want others to act. This is the rule, the golden rule, in fact, which uh, I did not make up, but which goes all the way back to Jesus and Matthew's gospel. That's a rule, a standard, which rather than being dependent on the times, is timeless. And here's another rule, which I think uh, you can also also find this in the gospels, though not stated exactly as such, but it's this, um, man up. Stop trying to use your crocodile tears and fake outrage to control people, Tim. Have some self-respect. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski, Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina, and hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Heart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2022.
1: Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Davos' World Economic Forum begins as Klaus Schwab informs the world the future will be built by him and his friends. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.